The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. This is Dr. Gary Bell. We've got a interesting show, rather controversial in some ways, just because of the title. I have to tell you, I write all these shows, I title all these shows, and I pretty much do everything except for produce all these shows. So um, I want to uh, let you know that the title I have, some will like it, some don't, but the title is How to Fix a Fat Ass. And uh, (laughs) that is said jokingly. And the reason it's said jokingly is because I am overweight. I've fought weight my whole life. I have been up more than down. And uh, even with rigorous exercise, and I'm talking daily exercise for long periods of time, religiously, every day since childhood, um, I have had trouble losing weight. And, uh, you know, my diet has sucked my whole life. And so what I've taken in is irrelevant to what I put out because what I exercise off my body basically doesn't uh, leave my body because my diet was so bad. And so, uh, you know, I'm like a living uh, Dyson vacuum. Uh, My worst time has always been right before bed. And so that is something that has always been a challenge uh, for me. Now, however, uh, the good news is over the last five weeks, I have lost 50 pounds. And uh, that's enormous amount of weight. It's a a life changer. And I'm hoping to lose another 50. Um, uh, I think that will get me down well below my uh, normal weight which is what I'd like to do. I'd like to get back to likely what I uh, graduated high school with. So that's my goal. And if I can do it, you can too. And I just kind of want to take the fear out of losing weight, the fear out of change, the fear out of diet, the fear out of concept of body. I want to give you the ideas of what the impact of weight has to do with your self-esteem, your sexuality, your, your feelings about yourself, how you present, how you dress, and overall how you come across. And uh, this show is about reclaiming your life and uh, from your self-defeating self. And we're going to talk about self-defeating habits also towards the end of the show. You know, you're your own worst enemy. And uh, weight, gaining weight and leaving it there, especially as you enter past your 50s and maybe even before then, uh, can really be considered what's called a suicidal life because, you know, the, the threat of diabetes, the threat of heart attacks, the threat of other uh, immunity diseases are enormous when your weight increases. So here's some light quotes, funny quotes, funny sayings about uh, fat. And so I thought I'd bring this up. Your fat. Uh, don't sugarcoat it because you'll eat that too. That comes from Dr. Phil. <laughs> don't be afraid of a few extra pounds. Fat people are harder to kidnap. <laughs> 
saying your kids are fat because of McDonald's is like saying Hooters is at fault for your husband liking big boobs. Uh, <laughs> how can we not get fat when a burger is 99 cents and a salad is four ninety nine? What a good point. And boy, I'm telling you, I'm finding the challenge in finding healthy things to eat everywhere I go. And it is really, really difficult. So just for starters, you know, uh, why is fat an epidemic today? You know, people are fatter and sicker than ever before. Obesity rates have tripled since 1980, and we have increased particularly fast in children since then. Uh, the reason why is this happened is still being debated by scientists, but, but it must be due to changes in the environment because our genes simply do not change this quickly. You know, people are eating more junk food than ever, and junk food can even go to your garden variety restaurants that many of us go to and consider to be healthy. You know, people are eating more calories than before. Pretty much all of the increase has come from processed foods, pre prepackaged foods um, that are made prior to, so you don't have to take a long time to cook them. At the turn of the 20th century, uh, people were eating mostly simple home-cooked meals, and that was back in 1900. Around 2009, about half of what people ate was fast food. The other foods, uh, also many were away from home, and not fast foods, but in restaurants. And there, there's actually um, you know, sugar consumption. Uh, it, that has to be considered because that has skyrocketed. You know, added sugar is the single worst ingredient in the modern diet. And I got to tell you, I live looking at packages of what I'm about to eat nowadays. And if it's over three grams of sugar, I'm pretty much out the door and not going to buy it. And I know that sounds crazy, but um, it's doable and it's actually functionable and it's actually something you can do and really, really helps you because that sugar also contributes to a feeling down on yourself. It contributes to depression. You know, there's numerous studies that show that eating excess amounts of added sugar can have harmful effects on your metabolism, leading to insulin resistance, belly fat gain, high tricyclide, uh, uh, triglycerides, sorry, and small, dense LDL cholesterol, to name the few things. Now, the big deal is belly fat um, is caused by sugar. A lot of it is caused by sugar and yeast, sugar and what is in wheat or in your breads. And also, breads has been an enormous thing that I've had to cut out of my diet so hard because I love breads. But to tell you the truth, they are just not doable if you want to get back to a decent weight. Um, there's also a plethora of observational studies showing that people who eat the more sh most sugar are much greater risk of getting type 2 diabetes. And so, you know, it's fattening. And partly because it doesn't get registered in the same way as calories by the brain. You know, it actually makes us want to eat more. Um, it also has adverse effects on hormones related to obesity. You know, not surprisingly, studies show that people who eat the most sugar at their, they're at the highest risk of weight gain in their future. So this fat epidemic, you know, people gain lots of weight during the holidays, which they never, ever get rid of. You know, most people don't gain weight overnight. It happens slowly over years and decades. But the rate is uneven, though, though the year and the spikes 
are dramatic during the holidays, a time when people tend to binge on all sorts of delicious holiday foods and they eat more than their bodies need, they also stretch their stomach. And the problem is that sometimes people don't lose all, all the weight. They might actually gain three pounds but lose two after the holidays, leading to a slow and steady weight increase over time. In fact, a large percentage of people's lifetime weight gain can be explained just by the six-week holiday period, especially if they don't exercise after. You know, the obesity epidemic actually started when the low-fat guidelines were published. How ironic. You know, uh, there was an epidemic of heart disease running rampant during the 20th century. A lot of scientists believe that fat, especially saturated fat, to be the main dietary cause of heart disease, although that's sort of been disproven. You know, and, and then this, this saturated fat land lay, uh, laid birth to, to this low-fat diet thing, which aims to restrict saturated fat. Interestingly, the obesity epidemic started at almost the exact same time as the low-fat guidelines first came out. Of course, that doesn't prove anything because the correlation doesn't equal the causation of it. But it does seem like that putting the emphasis on saturated fat while uh, giving processed low-fat foods high in sugar a free pass really probably contributed to negative changes in everybody's diet because those sugars increase to flavor the food and make it last longer. However, you know, saturated fat went down, but that low-fat diet wasn't for real. You know, food is cheaper than it ever was before. You know, one factor that is most uh, likely contributed to the increase of consumption is is that low price. Um, you know, foods have dropped from twenty five percent. Excuse me, twenty five percent of disposable income used to go to food. Now it's about ten percent of disposable income in the past eighty years. Well, guess what's made up for it? Gas prices. You know, this seems like a good thing, but it's important to keep in mind that real food isn't cheap. Organic food is not cheap. And believe me, I, I can attest for that. Processed food is cheap. And uh, in fact, real foods are so expensive that a lot of people can't even afford them. In many poor neighborhoods, they don't even offer anything but junk food, which is often subsidized by our government. Food stamps often are attributed to processed food rather than real organic food. Also, people are drinking sugary soda and fruit juices like they're going out of style. You know, the brain, the brain is the main organ in charge of regulating our energy balance and making sure we don't starve, don't, don't accumulate excess fat. Well, it turns out that the brain doesn't register liquid uh, sugar calories in the same way as it does solid calories. So if you consume a number of calories from a sugary drink then your brain doesn't automatically make you eat fewer calories of something else. That's why liquid is usually added on top of the daily calorie intake. Unfortunately, most fruit juices are no better and have similar amounts of sugar as the soft drinks. So sugar liquid is worse than sugar. And that is something you really need to take into consideration. And we continue to break this down. Why do we have this, this epidemic? You know, there's also increased food variety that contributes to overeating and weight gain. You know, uh, one, well, as you can see, you know, if, an, if a rat were to eat to one type of junk food and gain more than the other rats 
eating chow, then the the rats eating multiple types of junk food would likely gain the most by far. And and this has been evidenced in lots of studies. And it's true as in humans as well. You know, that when we have more types of food available, we eat more and sometimes more than our bodies need. And by the way, these uh, folks that sell fast food, junk food, have to alter their menus at all times, and they do not consider calories. I remember our Fourth of July. I think it was uh, one of the hamburger stores was offering hot bo- a hot dog on top of a, uh, uh, a hamburger, and then also bacon and cheese, and that's just like a heart attack right there in your hands. Also, people these days do not burn as many calories working. We are very sedentary in our work process. Um, We have very few physical activities. That's why corporations are always adding gyms and gym memberships and health programs and Fitbits and all kinds of stuff uh, uh, to people in order for them to exercise during lunch because most people are just sitting on their butts, typing on the computer and emailing and chatting uh, via, via the computer. And so, you know, just over the last 10 years, we're burning around 100 fewer calories per day than our jobs uh, contributed to 10 years ago. That's only 10 years ago. That is huge. You know, also, people are eating more vegetable oils, mostly from processed foods, and uh, that's changed from the last 50 years. Um we are eating mostly natural fats like butter and lard but back then, but then we replaced it back then, you know, 50 years ago, butter and lard, we replaced it with margarine and vegetable oils. And um, most people aren't frying real food in vegetable oils. They're getting it from processed food. And these oils in the foods already increase the reward and calorie value contributing to overconsumption. And so, you know, while we we are cooking processed foods and these uh, oils, we're just making it 10 times worse. And so, you know, our environment is not helping us. Also, your social environment is another factor that has contributed to our intake increasing. Um, You know, according to one uh, study, eating a meal with several people can actually increase your calorie intake up to 72% or 310 calories in a single meal. Uh, There are also uh, studies showing people eat more during the weekends. Boy, I know I have. Um, People are also sleeping less, and so your level of stress is huge. And sleep is often overlooked when it comes to weight gain and obesity. Oftentimes, people that have obesity issues have sleep issues like sleep apnea because they can't breathe. That's because there is too much fat in their nasal, nasal cavities. It's blocking their ability to actually breathe, so they snore. And I know I used to do that. You know, it's known that poor sleep has a negative effect on, on your hormones. It also can contribute to hunger cravings. And in recent uh, decades, average sleep duration has decreased at least one to two hours per night. And there's numerous reasons. Uh, Increased artificial lighting, electronics are uh, contributors uh, like television it started with and radio and now we've got everything else. Computers, they all come to bed with us. And and they are very strong to obesity. So, you know, looking at that, it is extremely important to also understand what is the mental outlook on fat. And, uh, you know, the, the National Health and Nutrition Examination Surveys from 2005 and 10 
showed that 43% of adults with depression were obese. And adults with depression were more likely to be obese than adults without depression. Surprise, surprise. You know, your mental outlook is always going to be weighed, and I mean that word, weighed by your physical health. Also, in every age group, they found women with depression were more likely to be obese than women without depression. Also, the prevalence of obesity was higher for non-Hispanic white women with depression compared with non-Hispanic white women without depression, a relationship that was not present in non-Hispanic black and Mexican-American women. So white women uh, experienced depression, also experienced a lot more weight gain than other cultures. The proportion of adults with obesity rose when they took this study, and it's a five-year study, as the severity of depression increased. People seek comfort when they're depressed, and eating is a comfort. It's also a sense of power. Um, devouring something is a sense of power over something, and people crave that. You know, 55% of adults who were taking antidepressant medication but still reported moderate to severe depression were also obese. They would blame the antidepressants, uh, which can help contribute to depression, and some actually help lose weight. But 55% of adults taking medication for depression that didn't go away experienced obesity. You know, depression and obesity share common factors. Some factors apparently can trigger both obesity and depression, belonging to a lower socioeconomic class and not participating in uh, physical activity also increases your risk for developing obesity and depression. So how do we treat obesity and depression, and that's a, that's a big question, and it's a tough question because those two coming together are very stubborn. Obesity is a long-term challenge, and so is depression. They both are long-term challenges, and they can make people feel overwhelmed. And so we're going to tackle that and get into this because we're going to break this fat cycle, this depression cycle. We're going to break this stuff and try to find out ways to treat it. This is Dr. Gary Bell. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back to treating obesity and depression. We're going to tackle obesity. We're going to talk about childhood sexual abuse and obesity and other factors. So come back and listen. Thank you for listening. I'll see you in a few minutes. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Are you good at leading yourself? In order to be more effective leaders in business, as managers, or in any organization, 
You've got to start by being good at self-leadership. On Leadership Takeoff, host Mo Glenner and his guests bring you the tools to help you lead yourself and your team to truly become the pilot in command. You need to tune in to Leadership Takeoff, live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Because the sky is not the limit. It's only the beginning. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, we are talking about obesity and fat. We're also talking about depression and the correlation with obesity. Um, You know, obesity kills over 100,000 people. That's in the United States and over 2.5 million people worldwide every single year. It is a major health epidemic that is so preventable. And also, it, understanding the disorder of obesity means taking serious efforts to, divest, uh, to address the short and long-term effects of traumatic stress. Traumatic stress also is a huge contributor to uh, depression and to obesity. You know, genetics is not the only factor. Prolonged overeating over a sedentary lifestyle, a lifestyle where you just do not get around, you just sit on your butt and eat. You know, what we do and what we don't do often results in how we think and feel. And a person that is sedentary is not going to likely have um, skinny. <laughs> They're not going to be skinny. They're going to be fat. And that, that's because um, they have feelings of sadness. They have anxiety or stress that, that lead people to eat more and be more stationary. They don't want to get out because they don't want people to see them. They feel guilt and shame. They also uh, don't want to sweat. They don't want to uh, be uncomfortable. They, want, they don't want to be viewed differently. Um, you know, There's a million reasons why obese people become sedentary, and that is because they're humiliated and they're embarrassed. And there is no reason for that. We're all human. And over the course of life, we all go up and down in our weight and take care of ourselves better and worse at different times, depending on how stressed and how much time we have. But we cannot stop. We have to get back on the horse and we have to get rid of that excess weight if we want to live a long life. And many people do not like themselves and will self-defeat by uh, gaining a lot of weight. And the deal is you got to look around and see the people that love you. And if you don't love yourself, start loving them and take care of yourself for them because they deserve 
you to be there in their life for as long as possible. You know, I have very young children. I'm in my early 50s. And the truth is, is that I'm taking care of myself for my children. I love myself. I do. But I really am doing it for my kids because I want to see them graduate. I want to see them live a great life. I want to see my grandchildren. And I know that's a stretch for a guy at my age, but it is possible if I take care of myself. And so that is my commitment to them. And that's my commitment to myself. You know, for women, obesity can lead to problems in their reproductive system also. And studies show that several cases of obesity can reduce uh, your life expectancy, especially if you're a, lo- a young adult. Um, you know, I got to tell you, I can't, you know, 50 pounds is what I've lost in five weeks. And I got to tell you, uh, I can feel it. I mean, you feel so much better. I have knee problems and they're just driving me crazy. It doesn't hurt anymore. That's because my knees aren't carrying all that weight. You know, a study of people who underwent uh, bariatric surgery for obesity found that as they shed pounds, they also shed their depression. And that's good news. A lot of people are very afraid of bariatric type of surgery. And what we're talking about is the, um, the, the sleeve uh, having a, a bypass, uh, the belt, you know, the, the, the lap band, that kind of stuff. Those surgeries are also extremely safe. You just need to very much watch who those doctors are. You need to study it. But the healing time to get over something like that is very shallow, very, very small. Uh, the, the diet preparing for those can be a big challenge. You have to, it's like running a marathon to get to the surgery. And then after the surgery, it becomes a lifestyle. And uh, those surgeries are extremely effective for lots of people, and I highly recommend them for people that are obese and are sedentary and do not take care of themselves. But the commitment to a life change is enormous because once you get a gastric sleeve or a gastric bypass or the lap band, which can slip, by the way, so you you may want to consider the sleeve. It's a lot safer, but the deal is... And uh, it forces you to only be able to eat two to three ounces of food at a time. That means you can sit down with a big old meal in front of you, but there's no way you're going to get it down your throat. It's going to come straight back up because your stomach can no longer hold it. It it forces people uh, to get rid of excess body weight. And, you know, 18% of the people that lose that body weight um, actually... 18% reduce their depression. Younger people, women, and those who experience greater weight loss results were more likely to feel less depressed. And by the way, uh, for those of you in California that can go down into places like Mexico or those of you in uh, New Mexico or Texas, anybody that's close to the Mexican border, you can get on an airplane as far as that's concerned. If you live as there, there are very good hospitals. There's especially hospitals that support embassies in Mexico that do it for a third, if not a fourth, of the price in the United States. Um, and there are very safe, and you can be well taken care of, and you're usually chauffeured to those facilities. You know, a team approach is best when you're dealing with depression, obesity. Your family physician uh, can craft a plan for your diet and exercise that will likely lead to health uh, weight loss. They might get a dietitian to help you or a nutritionist, and a personal trainer would be very helpful to follow your physician's weight loss plan. But it cannot happen by design. You have got to commit to wanting to lose weight and not cheating 
while everyone else is gone. And at the same time, a psychologist or a therapist or a psychiatrist can help you deal with your feelings of depression and confront the stress, anxiety, and other triggers that are leading to your depression and obesity. Um, you know, more so a therapist and a psychologist, less likely a psychiatrist because psychiatrists may be able to help you with your depression, but they're not going to be able to help you with your diet. And, and finally, you may also benefit from the use of the antidepressants that a, uh, a psychiatrist prescribes. And you might want to ask them, does this antidepressant have weight gain attributed to it? Because they can answer that. There's many side effects to anti-anxiety uh, antidepressants, um, some of those are weight gain. And the truth is, many of those side effects go away after you start taking the medication. You know, to, so let's begin to tackle obesity. Let's go straight up here. You know, you need to think about what you eat. You need to track your eating habits. Um, you know, writing them down, everything you eat and how much you ate, including the time of day and the amount of food, is so critical. You know, becoming self-aware is so important. I, I also um, count my steps uh, through the Fitbit, and that thing is huge. And if you don't hit those 10,000 uh, steps, you get a little depressed because, man, uh, that means you've had a very sedentary day. You know, also, you need to record what's going through your mind when you're eating. You don't just record what you ate. You record what you were thinking and what it meant to you to eat what you did. Were you sad? Were you upset with something? Had you finished a stressful experience, felt the need for comfort? Whatever it was that drove you to eat and eat to the excess that you did is huge for you to be aware of because people do eat subconsciously, not consciously. Also, you need to cut down on portions while you're eating the same foods. You'd be surprised on how much we can live on. Uh, you know what I've done, and uh, it's really cool, is uh, they have the Kirkland brand at Costco of a uh, protein shake that you get 30 grams of, of protein. I think it's less than 2 grams of sugar, and that thing really fills you up. And if you make a habit of you know, drinking those shakes, and I drink like three a day, which gives you enough protein uh, for a full day. It's incredible how much that fills up your stomach and you don't get hungry. You also, you know, want to cut down on your foods in an enormous way. And that means that let yourself know when you're hungry. Become aware of when you're hungry and when you're full. When you're eating, many people eat way past when they are full, and we can't do that. We need to be aware, okay, I'm slowing down, I'm chewing my food for a long time, and now I'm understanding when I'm filling up. You know that. When you know that, you stop eating. You take a break and you push away. You know, little meals are so much more important. Five little dinky meals through a day are much more substantial, much more healthy for the body than then three gigantic meals, especially the one right before bed. Your most important meal is at breakfast, and usually if you eat more before breakfast, uh, before noon, is better for your body to process. You know, treating obesity also de uh, decreases the depression, but weight loss is never successful if you remain burdened by stress and other negative feelings. You know, you really want to work through what is stressful in your life and, and identify what you're trying to control that you can't control because that is what is causing the stress. What am I trying to control in my life that is stressing me out? And, and that stress 
bloats your body. It causes you to feel out of control, and then we want to seek comfort. So the more stress that people have, the more out of control they feel. Some people, not all people, some people starve themselves to death when they're hungry or stressed. Other people will eat and eat and eat. And if you live a stressful life, you need to rethink it. And, you know, what is cool is understanding the concept of peace. Peace. Not happiness. Peace. Peace, you don't have to do anything to have it. Peace is something where your mind is as clear as can be. Peace is something where you can actually see what is important and what isn't. Peace is something when you know something is not that important and something is very important. That means that your mind is open to the life that you're living and peace is something will help you lose weight. You know, it's also easier if to lose weight when you have support from friends and family, people that hold you accountable for what you're doing. And if you say, you know, I've lost this, I've lost that, or I've gained this, be accountable, be responsible. Don't sneak around. If you're sneaking around, be accountable. Let them cheer you on. You know, one bad day doesn't mean that you're still not going to lose weight. If you If you fall off the wagon, get back on the wagon after you've binged and reinstitute your diet. But don't call for, okay, I popped off the wagon. Now I'm just stay off it. I'm going to binge, 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 binge. No, you need to get back in that diet and commit yourself to it. And and it's almost like an addiction. You've got to take it on like that. Also, um, the buddy system, especially with other people that are struggling with weight gain and weight loss, uh, will help you because you will begin to compete with each other. You know, the Fitbit is so cool because, you know, my wife has one. I bought her one, and uh, I know a lot of people that have them, especially people that have it provided by work. And it's so cool because we all check each other. Okay, where are you at? Where are you at? What's going on? And we have to compete with each other. And we look at each other's bodies improving, and it's, it's incredible how much that influences your life and makes you feel better. Also... Uh, Once again, do not obsess over the bad days. Just begin to take it on again. Now, childhood sexual abuse is something that has always been studied. And the link between uh, childhood sexual abuse and obesity is uh, huge. You know, binge eating disorder um, is at least six times more common in obese people and three or four times more common in obese people who have a childhood sexual abuse history. Effects of childhood sexual abuse, poor self-esteem, poor body image, impulse behavior, drug abuse are common predictors of binge eating and obesity. You know, compulsive eating may be one way to manage the depression related to childhood abuse, but it's also a way that a child uh, can make themselves not sexual by desexing their body. They feel that it will prevent, uh, protect against further abuse. Also, um, These kids often experience psychiatric conditions, depression, anxiety, uh, sleep disturbances, physical complaints, uh, low self-esteem, suicidal feelings, you know, substance abuse. All these things come into childhood sexual abuse. But obesity uh, is the most common factor of kids that have been abused sexually. Also, um, uh, uh, findings have suggested that uh, clinicians should consider 
the influences that variation in race and ethnicity may have on the relationship between childhood sexual abuse and obesity. For example, one study found that black women often experience difficulty asking for emotional support. And this combined with a trauma history, emotional withdrawal, and eating for psychological reasons has contributed a a highly associated binge eating within African-American women. And so, you know, social cultures can certainly influence how people do or don't take on their childhood sexual abuse or even identify what was childhood sexual abuse. You know, given the number of links between childhood sexual abuse and obesity, uh, a psychological assessment is necessary, including questions that assess for an eating disorder. You know, if you're going to assess for depression, you should be assessing for eating disorders, you know, bulimia, uh, all kinds of things like uh, anemic, uh, post-traumatic stress, substance abuse, a history of childhood abuse. Once an assessment is complete, you know you can develop a treatment plan as a therapist and take this on in therapy because a lot of our problems are mental that lead to our obesity issues. And whenever possible, all factors can be treated simultaneously. But often the issues are more delineated to the individual and must be addressed first, such as the thoughts. Um, Those need to be addressed first. But all of them can be handled together at one time. You know, the treatment of obesity remains difficult and the success of weight loss programs is limited. And that's the reality of today. And, uh, you know, we have got to help people, especially people with childhood sexual abuse histories, with how to cope with their scenario and how to make peace with what has taken place. You know, there's so much involved in childhood obesity and childhood uh, uh, sexual abuse. There is so much of that that is rampant in our society. And we really have to take a look at helping those people. There are people that just can't explain why their weight loss is such an issue but then they go back and you look and you find out that they've had a lot of childhood exposure to sexuality that was inappropriate. Now what we're going to do is start to tackle some easy tips on uh, uh, once again how to uh, lose the weight and how to tackle these issues. And there's a million things that we've already talked about, well, several things, but there's a million things that we can do to help ourselves. You know, um, a lot of people, when they get hungry, they will basically, uh, they hear their tummy rumble and basically they will start gorging themselves. Well, what you want to do is slowly pace yourself. Eat, eat a piece of fruit. Eat something healthy. Fill up your stomach. Let it rest. And don't gorge yourself. You do not have to fill your stomach completely every time you eat. You know, another thing that will help is drinking lots of water because water is enormously helpful in filling up the stomach. If you fill that stomach up, it's going to take a while for that water to process out. The stomach's going to feel full. So the more water you drink during a day, the better for your body and also the better for your stomach. Um, you know, you also need a mantra. <laughs> you know, I can lose weight. I will get out uh, for my walk today. I know I can resist the uh, eating a pastry. These are things that are so important. We're going to talk more about tips, and then we're going to go into other things uh, that are going to be incredible ways of tackling this weight loss and also tackling self-defeating behavior. Come back. This is Dr. Gary Bell. 
Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Are decisions at the leadership level determined by influences of external factors? Discover by tuning into From the Boardroom to the Bedroom, The Protocol Praxis with Suzanne Z. Pedro. Science reveals that decisions are made subconsciously based on emotions and learning which occurs before one is aware. So take a chance. Open the door. Reframe your critical decisions with proven successful strategies. The boardroom to the bedroom. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're going to tackle some more easy tips on how to lose that fat ass. Okay, so we're looking at uh, just some simple things that you can integrate into your daily life. First of all, people gravely underestimate the calories in which they eat. Um... You know, they don't understand why they're losing, not losing weight. And oftentimes that is attributed to they're not consume, they're consuming more calories than they actually are attributing to themselves. If you're counting calories, it's a good idea to add about 200 more calories to what you think you're taking in just so you can be realistic with yourself. The other thing is um, you need to eat three or four bites of your meal uh, Three or four bites of your meal, not the full meal. Let your stomach your stomach digest the three or four bites, and then if you're still hungry, take in more bites. Pace yourself when you're eating. These are secrets of losing weight. Uh, watch one less hour of television. You know, a study of about 76 undergraduate students found that more the they watched television, the more they ate, and the more that they ate overall. Sacrifice one program and go for a walk, and you'd be surprised how much weight you lose. You know, wash something in your home thoroughly once a week. Mop the floor, uh, vacuum the house, uh, dust, whatever it takes, but move around. Move around. You can actually burn, if you do a couple of chores, around 120 calories 
um, which are about the same number in a, in a half a cup of uh, like vanilla yogurt. If you get sugar-free, then there's none. Okay, now wait until your, um, your stomach rumbles before you eat food. Let your stomach get hungry. But once again, you know, it's usually out of boredom, nervousness, uh, habit, frustration that causes our stomach to rumble. It, it likely will rumble at a certain time that you're used to eating and we get that craving to eat. The deal is how you respond to that call. And that call can be either responded to in an unhealthy, quick, you know, grab a bag of chips way or it can be done in a very healthy way where you're managing your hunger. Here's another secret. Sniff a banana or an apple or a peppermint when you feel hungry. You, you, this might sound silly, but uh, they've done neurological studies uh, with several volunteers that the more frequent people sniffed, the less hungry they were and the more weight they lost. An average of 30 pounds each just by sniffing peppermint or a banana or an apple. Also, you will find that at fast food restaurants, you will not see, especially the chains, you will not see blue in the decoration. It functions as an appetite suppressant. You know, uh, these uh, blue, the color blue actually turns down your appetite. If you have a blue tablecloth, guess what could happen? it might help you eat less because blue, once again, is not a color that will instigate hunger for us. Now, the opposite effect is uh, red, yellow, and orange. Those are high appetite colors. Um, you also want to eat in front of a mirror. If you eat in front of a mirror, you're facing yourself eating. You're going to eat less simply because you're watching yourself intake. You know, 10 minutes a day walking up and down stairs, just 10 minutes a day walking up and down stairs, steady, cardio, steady 10 minutes, not 10 minutes over the day, will actually give you at least 10 pounds a year off your body. Also, walk five minutes for at least every two hours. Just walking, just take a simple walk for five minutes every two hours will actually parlay itself, especially during a work day, into an extra 20-minute walk by the end of the day. And this break is huge. And it also uh, helps you be less likely to reach out for snacks, especially if you're drinking water. Um, you know, you'll lose weight and fat, and it's surprising. So many will, people will take a 30-minute walk, which is great. But I will tell you the people that lose the most weight do anything over 45 minutes. And I know that sounds like a lot of time, but if you're wanting to lose a significant amount of weight, 45 minutes should do it a day. Um, after that, you're just burning extra calories, and that's wonderful. Also, don't buy prepared food. Get a menu together that is healthy for you. And yes, your selections of food are going to be less, but your creativity is going to be more. And guess what? You can drink uh, wine especially, and dry alcohol, any dry alcohol, dry meaning it's low in sugar, uh, um, Pinot Noir, uh, Pinot Grigio, those type of wines are very dry. They do not have a lot of sugar in them. The other things that don't have a lot of sugar is gin, 
Um, sometimes some rums are very low in sugar that are just rum, not spiced rum or anything like that. Those are, are actually alcohols that you can drink but do not drink in excess. So you don't have to put alcohol away in your life, but it's certainly not something you want to obsess on. It's also a good idea to close your kitchen after uh, for 12 hours after dinner. Just close it. You can't eat. After, after dinner, you can't eat. The kitchen's closed. You cannot go to the refrigerator. Do not pass. Also, um, put less food out and take, uh, you'll take less food in. So if you don't have this gigantic meal and you don't have these gigantic portions and you let lower uh, or make your plates smaller and actually make, buy smaller plates, you're going to find you're going to eat less food. Um, the other thing is uh, water-rich foods... Uh, will help you eat fewer calories overall. And water f f uh, uh, f uh, things are like fruit and salad. Anything that is filled with water, watermelon, is going to help you lose weight because it's going to fill your stomach and make you bulk up. It's going to make you feel good. Veggies give you a lot of gas, but they also help enormously for you to uh, uh, lose weight because they fill that stomach. Also, you want to avoid, here's some other secrets, avoid White foods, um, large amounts of simple uh, carbohydrates from white flour and added sugar can wreak havoc on your blood sugar and le uh, lead to weight gain. So, you know, white rice, white flour, um, brown rice, uh, quinoa is also a really good. Anything that is not white is likely going to be better for you. Also, you want to switch to a decaf or an ordinary coffee, and uh, you want to get away from uh, 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 the, the, the uh, high milk intake or the cre whipped cream. What you want to get is uh, the diet, the low-fat. And a lot of people don't realize how much caffeine can beef up your body. Um, you know, you also want to enjoy uh, high-calorie treats as the accent and not the centerpiece. You don't want to uh, starve yourself of, of enjoying something that is a very pleasurable treat. You know, make a spoonful of ice cream the jewel of a fruit bowl. You know, you don't have to just eat ice cream. You can eat other things with it to fill your stomach and just have ice cream as the as the, uh, the, the tip of the cake there. You know, also salsa, hot sauce, Cajun seasonings are so good for you because uh, they increase your, your uh, metabolism, but also they turn up your digestive fires and they cause your body to burn more calories. Um, you know, you want to also drop your milk type uh, so you can cut calories by about 20%. You know, if you're drinking 2%, you want to go down to 1% or skim milk if you can. And you want to bring it down until it's none. Some people will drink almond milk and things like that. And those things are very, very good for you. A handful of nuts can also be extremely healthy and helpful for people that are trying to burn that fat. All right, that's a lot of tips I've given you. I'm sure some of that is boring and redundant and you already know about it. Now we're going to talk about self-defeating behavior. You know, uh, psychologists speculate that self-sabotaging behaviors could be coping mechanisms uh, for stress, pressure, social demands. Others uh, consider self-destructive behavior as ways of maintaining like your comfort zone 
due to a lack of confidence of feelings or unworthiness and staying familiar with the bottom of the social ladder. So some people, instead of challenging themselves, would rather self-defeat. Now, uh, self-destructive behavior comes in many guises, some extreme, some not so extreme. But in order to continue to evolve and improve our life, as well as the people around you, it's really best if you look at the, the devil right in your face. You know, symptoms and habits of self-destructive behavior include the following. You know, mindset, uncautious form of uh, self-destructive behavior is something like, I'm going to fail, I just know it. I never get out alive. You know, those kind of self-defeating things, you know, this will completely destroy me. If you're going to create self-fulfilling prophecy, you're going to self-defeat. You know, failing to take action. You know, this is a passive symptoms and when we know something is bad for us but fail to take action to remedy, we are essentially setting ourselves up for failure. Overeating, undereating, forced incompetence, uh, you know, usually stems from a lack of confidence in one's ability and can function as a coping mechanism. You know, academics is a fine way that a lot of kids will spend a fortune for college and then end up dropping out of the, ca- the classes that they're paying so much for. You know, going out of your way to harm people can also self-defeat. You know, if you're going to create a lot of seeds of anguish and, and uh, anger towards you, you're likely going to reap the benefits later on. Um, you know, a lot of people self-harm. A lot of people uh, do uh, drug and alcohol. Uh, they hide from their emotions. A lot of people refuse to be helped. Um, a lot of people spend too much they, they have physical neglect, mental neglect, and they have uh, their sabotage relationships. These are all ways that people self-defeat. So here's some attitudes you want to change. I'm a waste of time. It's not true. I make a difference simply by being. And because I'm a strict person and, and uh, I have good morals and I try to help people, I know I can make a difference. My friends wouldn't consider me a waste of time even though I find it difficult to believe they do value my ideas and options, and they love my company. And that is something you want to say to, to yourself. Nothing I do is good enough. That's just not true. You do great. Everybody does great in many ways. We all have many talents. Some people, it's their personality. Some people, it is their intelligence. Some people, it is their common sense. Some people, it's their initiative. We all have great things about us, and we do not need to do that self-defeating Uh, nothing I do is good enough. That comes from your childhood, having to deal with somebody that could never be satisfied, but that doesn't mean it has to become your mantra. And uh, I deserve pain. No, you don't. You know, some people believe that, that they deserve to be punished. And uh, they've done nothing to deserve to be punished. No one deserves to be punished. And then there's the, I'll I'll, uh, never be happy. You know, The truth is, people will hurt other people, but it's the way you perceive it. It's the way you take it in that is going to determine whether you're going to be happy. What about being peaceful instead of happy, you know? Here's some new ways to change those behaviors. You know, write a plot twist, how you change the situation that you're in. Also, uh, know what triggers your self-defeating reactions. You know, we can change unhealthy habits by re-engineering our reactions. You know, if you know your triggers, you are less likely to self-sabotage. By understanding your triggers, you should, uh, you know, try to 
understand what your feelings and behaviors are after you've been triggered and what is causing that. You know, diet, uh, a diary really helps us see ourselves and understand what is going on. Also, replace self-defeating habits is a way to stop self-defeating, and that means we change uh, eating, uh, let's say, uh, a bag of chips into an apple, eating an apple instead. That will help you. And we also want to keep moving on. If we want to defeat self-defeating, we want to continue to move on and have a philosophy of moving on. And like I said, if you fall off the wagon on your diet, move on, go to the next day, and restart. All right, that's our show. Absurd Psychology is next Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Our next show is on forgiveness. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. drgbmft at sbcglobal.net is my email. Twitter is at drgbmft. Now remember, when someone annoys you, remember it takes 42 muscles to frown and only four to extend your arm and slap their ass. And I don't mean their their butt. I mean slap them. (laughs) At some point in life, You reach the age where we replace. I probably shouldn't say that with, what the hell? Just say it and we'll see what happens. And believe me, I know that feeling. I used to uh, audit myself all the time. These days, I don't really care. (laughs) And I think my show probably has a lot to do with that. So thank you for listening. Once again, next week, we're going to talk about the topic of forgiveness. It's a very powerful show. Uh, I've got it all written, and it's going to be wonderful. Thanks for joining. Have a great day. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back.